the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back listeners. Today's episode is on a topic that I feel is one of the weakest areas of my clinical orthopedic knowledge and that is cancer. Sarcomas, carcinomas, metastatic disease at all is very scary, not only for the patient, but for me, it all makes me very nervous. So to quell some of that anxiety and to learn more about orthopedic oncology, we're hosting Kate Sinkowski today. Kate works in orthopedic oncology and recently gave a talk at our Denver meeting on bone lesions, evaluation, and management. And I'm very excited to have her on with us today. So Kate, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. So, Kate, you started your lecture in Denver explaining the incidence of sarcomas versus carcinomas. Why don't we start with sarcomas? You talked about the incidence of soft tissue sarcoma about three to four times that of bone sarcoma. Is there a reason why that is? So it really all comes down to cell turnover. So as we know, when cells replicate, they copy DNA. And that leaves room for error. So since soft tissues have higher cell turnover, these tissues are at a greater risk for error and kind of therefore a mutation that leads to to a neoplasm. And just as a reminder, when I say neoplasm, that just refers to an abnormal mass of tissue, which can be both benign, meaning non-cancerous, or malignant, meaning cancerous. Well, in your discussion of the surgical management of bone lesions, you talked about surgical margins and you talked about some different approaches. Can you please explain what the difference is between intralesional, marginal, and wide excisions? And along with that, what type of lesion and location might each technique be appropriate? Sure, that's a great question. Like you said, there's three different kind of examples of excisions when it comes to bone tumors. So an intralesional excision is when we go through the tumor itself. This is pretty rare, I would say. Most of the time we want to respect that tumor and its tumor bed. And so an example of that would be an aneurysmal bone cyst. We're kind of going through the tumor, interrupting the tumor and scraping it out and then allowing it to heal in from there. I would say things that are much more common are marginal excisions and wide or radical excisions. So a marginal excision is when the surgical incision is through the through the reactive zone between the tumor and kind of the pseudo capsule around the tumor. So the area between the normal tissue and the body and the tumor. So a great example of that is giant cell tumor of bone. So when we do a curatage on giant cell tumor of bone, we go in, scrape out the giant cell tumor of bone, use a burr to allow for marginal excision because we know that the giant cell tumor of bone is very locally aggressive and we'll actually use kind of an, an herby or something very hot in order to burn the tiny microscopic cells that might still be in the bone. And then on top of that, we'll use bone cement, which as you know, is an exothermic reaction. So therefore further killing these microscopic tumor cells. So that's what we consider a marginal excision. In the cancer world, when there is a soft tissue sarcoma or a bone sarcoma, we don't ever like to see the tumor itself. So that's what we consider a wide or radical excision. So it's when the surgical incision is outside the reactive zone and the pseudocapsule, and we're in grossly normal tissue in all dimensions. 
So as I said before, an example of that is a soft tissue sarcoma or even a bone sarcoma. So oftentimes my patients ask me, well, what did the tumor look like when you took it out? What did the cancer look like? And I always say, we don't like to see that tumor. We like to be widely around it or radically excise it in order to have kind of good margins around the tumor. How do you know that you have negative margins? Say, for instance, if you're doing this surgery interrupt, does the specimen go to pathology to make sure you have negative margins? Or how does that come about? So it really just depends. From an intraoperative standpoint, kind of sending frozen sections, it, it depends on the tumor and how we feel about the resection itself. So a frozen section is when the surgeons will take a, a small piece of tissue and send it to the pathologist. And the pathologist will quickly freeze the specimen and cut it very thinly. And then we place the tumor under a microscope for a very quick diagnosis of whether or not the tumor is present. Sometimes we feel our resection is adequate just by feeling the tumor and there's no need to send frozen sections. Other times we have planned positive margins. For example, if the tumor is sitting on a nerve and we don't plan to sacrifice that nerve, then we won't send margins. But a lot of times we want to make sure that our resection is adequate and we'll send these frozen specimens from around the tumor to make sure that we have this adequate resection. You went over reconstruction and I guess limb salvage would be okay to call this. And if I'm speaking wrong, please correct me. A little tidbit, a long time ago, well, not long, long time ago, but a few years ago, I went in on a talk on minimally invasive total knee arthroplasty, where you're trying to do a total knee through this, you know, few centimeter incision or whatever. And by the way, if you ever help do one of those, it's it's really not fun. But anyways, it was followed by an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in oncology, and he called his, okay, minimally invasive to maximally invasive. And it's pretty amazing, some of the slides, like the hemicorpectomy and some of the slides you showed. When you look at the size of the lesions and how they are managed, how do you determine if you're going to use a prosthesis or if you're going to do an allograft or proceed to amputation? I know I'm kind of mixing a couple of things together there, but how do you make that determination? Is it all based on the tumor? Is it the size of the tumor? Or how is that decided? We oftentimes do maximally invasive surgery. So thanks for bringing that up. So it really just depends on what type of tumor it is and where the tumor is located in the bone or soft tissue. I think mostly we're talking about bone cancers in this particular instance, because we're talking about replacing the bone with a prosthesis, either a, a megaprosthesis or a bone allograft. So it depends on if the tumor is present at the metaphysis or diaphysis, because if it is present at the metaphysis, we're more likely to use an endoprosthesis and if it's in the diaphysis, then we'll probably use a bone allograft. How big is the tumor? What is the tumor? And then ultimately, what is the desired outcome of the surgery? As my attending says, tumors are kind of like snowflakes. They're incredibly unique in their presentation, which is what keeps my specialty both challenging and interesting. And at the end of the day, the patient is the captain of the ship. You know, we help them interpret the charts, help them read MRIs and x-rays, tell them what their tumor type is, and allow them to make the final decision based on our knowledge share. I'd love for there to be this answer that happens all of the time, but it really is very, it's, it depends on where the tumor is, what type of tumor it is. So it, they're very much like snowflakes. If you know, or you feel like the best management is say an amputation, 
and the patient is like, no, I'm not doing that. What other options do you have? Would you try a prosthesis maybe, or could you try something else, even if you think that's not the best solution? Yeah. So this comes up a lot in our older patient population, you know, a patient who comes to us who has, who's 70 or 80, and we know that amputation is the the best option for them in order to get definitive local control. So we have a very honest conversation with the patient and we say, what is your end goal here? Is this complete eradication of this tumor from a local control, control standpoint? Because if that's the case, then amputation is the best option. Alternatively, if we want to plan for, say, an R1 resection, meaning a planned positive margin, like I spoke about earlier, then we can say, okay, this tumor runs along, say, the perineal nerve or radial nerve, and if we sacrifice that nerve, then that will be a significant limitation for function for this patient long-term. So we're willing to kind of sacrifice the the definitive local control in order to optimize function for the patient postoperatively. So it's really about a very honest conversation to say, okay, here's the deal. If we plan for this positive margin here, you're at a, a little bit higher risk for local recurrence, which may mean a surgery in the future. And in addition to that, because you're at higher risk for a local recurrence, you're at risk for metastasis. And oftentimes patients will take that risk, will offer them post-operative radiation in addition to usually they have a preoperative radiation as well. So there are options, you know, we just, we make sure to have the most honest conversation about outcome and what to expect with the patient so that ultimately we can make the decision together. Right. Very tough conversations, I'm sure. Kate, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate you coming on our podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, we wanted to make you aware of our second annual orthopedic boot camp. This will be in Charlotte, November the 4th through the 6th. Registration information is on our website, paos.org, and I hope to see you there.